All right, John 17 is where we are. And we're going to start with verse 14 to talk about the concept of separation uh, called sanctification in Scripture. John 17, 14. This is Jesus' prayer before the crucifixion, for the trials. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Well, if you're not a church person, this is a very difficult, convoluted passage. So, we're going to back up a little bit. In verse 14, remember he's praying for his followers. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. I want you to think about what will happen if you go on social media and try to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What will happen if you say that we shouldn't kill babies in the womb? What will happen to you? What will happen to you if you're running for president and say that? Even, and, and by the way, that's not a crack at the Democrats. You're not going to see Republicans in a debate later on say, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Do you remember, in fact, I can't remember. Oh, thank you, sweetie. See, this is why you've been married for 40 years. She's sweet. Also cute. Um, anyway, every time I see her, I get distracted. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was one of the bushes that reporters were trying to say, well, what do you think about uh, the Jews? Do the Jews have to accept Jesus? And it just, the waffling just went everywhere. And Republicans and Democrats both do that. You stand up for Jesus, you're going to get kicked. Social media uh, thugs will dox you. That means that they will not only come at you and insult you, they will try to find out everything about you and publish where you live and what's your phone number. They want you to be destroyed. And Jesus says, I know if they're part of me, the world's going to hate them. So the, the thing I just want to put in here is if we follow Jesus there will be a lot of joy in our life, but there will be some pain. If Jesus doesn't make it to heaven without scars, we have no right of thinking that we will. We're going to have some scars. Um, I like what comes next because Paul talks a bit about this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, Paul talks about come out from among them and be separate. But he also makes it very plain. He's not telling us to live apart from the world physically. He's saying, no, I'm not asking you to come out. I'm asking you to come out of the world by your spirit, your attitude, what you believe, and the why that you believe. 
That's what separates us from the world. Um, our neighbors, we have amazing neighbors. And we went to talk to a couple of them last night and they'll be watching the house and doing stuff for us while we're away. And it, it's just a delight to see fellow believers and the way we treat each other. And you know, we have this little corner and it just seems like everybody there, they're not uh, our particular tribe, but and we, Dave's up there playing, trying to get the game uh, on his headphones. The, uh, the, they're not our particular tribe, but Jesus shines through them and has since the day we met them. And it's just so much joy to work with this. But I don't expect that in every interaction because that's not what you're going to get. Every so often, uh, you're going to get, you're going to get swung at. And the sad thing is, at least half the time, it's by other people that claim to be Christian. And they're claiming to do it because Jesus wants them to. Hmm, Prince of Peace sent you out there to whop somebody, huh? That's interesting. We are not to be um, Amish in the way, uh, that's the best I could put it. The Anabaptist movement, of which we are part, uh, came out of Europe and there were there were several leaders, uh, Menos, or Meno was one of them, and the Mennonites are in that, that line as well. The Mennonites seem to have this down, this idea of we're in the world but not of the world. They don't tend to be in exclusive communities, you're refusing cars and the like, but you're not going to see them at the movies most of the time. And you're not going to see them down um, you know, arguing for war and violence they have an, a completely separate ethic from the world. And yet, they're in the world. You see this also with Orthodox Jews, don't you? They dress differently. They, they have different hairstyle. They have different food. But as, and by the way, they often live together like, um, like Mennonites do. But they live together among the world. They don't separate like the Amish. And I'm not kicking the Amish here. Um, if you're wondering, what if Amish people hear this? They're not going to. But they're also very well aware that they're separate from the world and how they live. So I'm not shocking anyone there. What I, what I am saying is, I believe that they've made a big error if they believe what they are doing is what we should do. And that's a big if, because the Amish have no concept of evangelism. They do not try to make anybody else Amish, which I also find very interesting. Um, and, and again, the Mennonites, I've run across them several times. You know the work of one of the Mennonites because Richard Foster, who wrote the book and that we referenced many times, The Celebration of Discipline, Mennonite. Um, and a lot of churches, Christ folk, get along really well with Mennonites. I said Anabaptist movement, in case you're wondering what that meant. It's A-N-A, Baptist, one word. It means a rebaptizer, because we, uh, that group didn't accept infant baptism. And so they, they baptized adults, like we do. You know, we're part of that stream. Um, anyway, that, that said, we're in the world, but not of the world. I have um, been very open about the difficulty uh, I had been raised in my home. Uh, I've not, you know, the half has never yet been told. My father was, uh, was difficult in every particular, you, you just can't find a way he wasn't. 
Uh, even as I scattered his ashes, a burst of wind hit, and, and I'm going, Dad, you can't even let this be easy. You know, this is just ridiculous. Now I have to vacuum my truck of Dad, you know, and it's, um, I know it's ashes, ashes, dust to dust. Just hang, hang with the humor, move along. But my father did give me a couple of an amazing gifts. And the number one thing he gave me was the ability to stand alone. I'm very comfortable. Um, there, there are a couple of them. Um, I, I was met um, at summer celebration this, this week. Uh, what, a, what a gift Lipscomb gives to us of a summer celebration. Um, and I was met by a man who's acting provost of a Christian college. I will not get more specific than that. They want to mix things up, and they want to hear different voices, and so the president had asked him to talk to Patrick Mead. Would Patrick come up for a day? I first thought they were going to ask if I'd be a teacher. No, no. I don't do well day to day with the same group of people. Um, you know, I, I, I like drive-by speaking. So, but it was, it was a day to come in, to do the chapel, to do a class or two, and then he said a two-hour period uh, of question and answer with the students. And I said, do you really want me to do that? I said, because I have a rule, I have a very strong rule, and that is you ask me a question, I'll answer it. Even if answering it is going to make you uncomfortable or me uncomfortable, or that's going to create uh, somebody's going to call 911 and get me cleared from the area. But if you ask it, I will answer it. And I said, you know my answers are not going to be your answers. And uh, the man thought for a while, I've known this guy a long time, I just adore him. Yeah, he looked at me and he goes, we know you're a lightning rod. And we know you might blow us up a bit. But that's why we're asking you in. I went, okay. And then he went and started to give me assurances. Now, we won't let anybody beat you up. And I just put my hand up. And I said, don't you dare put a barrier between me and anybody that hates me. I'm good at this. That's one thing my dad gave me. Yeah, I don't need an ally. I can, and I love allies, by the way. If you want to back me up, please do so. But that ability to stand alone. And when I read in Scripture, that's what he's calling his followers to do. Sometimes you're going to have to stand alone. Will you stand? And I, I, you know, I love it that Martin Luther, uh, although there are several versions of this statement, when he was called on the carpet and told that if you do not renounce these beliefs, you know, you're, be, you're going to lose your job. And being excommunicated in Europe at that time was, by and large, a death sentence because you couldn't get a job. Nobody would take you in. A hotel wouldn't house you. you were, now, there were some German places where that wasn't true, but as a rule. And so all that threat, and Martin Luther said, here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. And he stood. You know, Luther, Luther was a difficult guy in a lot of ways. Fierce, rabid, anti-Semitic, but he was able to stand alone. And I find that, I find that wonderful. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. In, but not of. In, but not of. Can you, can you be in the world, but not be like it? Be different than the others. And I think you can. And one of, one of my favorite, and I have to brag on my church up in, in, in Michigan, where I was for 10 years, outside of Detroit, just outside. 
I, this had never happened before. This sounds so much like a preacher story, I hesitate to ever tell it. I'm in my office. In walks a man. I didn't know him. And he said, he said, he said do you have, a, have some time? I said, come along. He sat down. And he said he was an investor, investment guy, financial guy. That's why I never heard of him, because I don't know anything about that sort of thing. Um, and he sat down, and, and he said, uh, but I want to... Is this where, and he mentioned Connie Tolman, well, uh, one of the ladies of our church. Is, that, is this where she goes to church? And I said, yes, it is. He said, let me explain what I do. He said, I find financing for people. And I find a way to help people buy the right house, not buy the wrong house, and work with their money. He says, I work with real estate agents and brokers all day long. But there's something about her which is different. I thought, this can go either way. I said, Please inform me. And he said, she always takes care of the client even if it hurts her. She never takes advantage of anything. She always treats them the best possible way. And I've even talked to her about it and said, you could do it this way. And it wouldn't really hurt them, but it would help you. But if it's a dollar, no. He says, I want to know more about this church if Connie Tallman goes here. And we talked to him about it. He was baptized that week, but he was one of two people who came in my office that week, sat down and said, is this where somebody goes? The 10 years I was up there, I never had to convince anybody to be baptized. It was like, what do they have? What do I have to do to get it? And they were in. Being in the world, but not of the world is how you shine. I would submit to you, that you can go look at my Twitter feed and you can go look at my uh, social media of all to Instagram and uh, Facebook for, for years and years and years and years. Look to see where I've, I've criticized anybody or corrected anybody. Nope. Nope. Why? No. That's not how you win people. Uh, you show them love, you show them grace, and if they say something stupid, you don't put, that was stupid. Because that would be stupid. I've had people come out, I've had a little kid come up to me. She said, you said stupid. I went, yes. She said, um, you're not supposed to say stupid. I said, well, that's stupid. I mean, <laughs> you know, something stupid is stupid. If it's purple, it's purple. Name it. And when you're being stupid, because everybody takes a turn, right? All of us are stupid. We need to name that as well. But Jesus says, you're in it, but don't be of it. And I want to I warn you of a little fishing lure that's out there. And it looks really attractive. But if you bite into it, a hook's going to take you down. You ready? I've heard sermons about this passage, and I'll bring others in, but they'll use this passage. This is why we don't run after trends of the world trying to make our worship um, you know, entertainment. Have you heard about the, you know, we don't want it to be entertain? Really? Really? What songs do you like? You know, ready to suffer, <laughs> fountains filled with blood, and the like. All right, fair enough. Those are good songs. Um, and you like them, yes. Then you're being entertained. What you're really trying to say is, I don't want them entertained at the cost of me being entertained. And you jump on that and it's going to hook you. Pull back and just say, you know, by the way, I think worship should be entertaining. Not in the way of, I'm going to sit back and be entertained. But Paul said, live this way so that the, the unbelievers will see you and be attracted to you. They will like what they see. They'll come to you. Be different. 
Set. Now, here's, here's a big kicker phrase I want to get you. Sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify is a church word. And we really, this is going to remain kind of hard for you to deal with if we don't get rid of the church word here. And then you can put it back in later. Um, Dr. Lemons is here. And I, if I'd known that earlier, I would have got the mic. But you, can ch- you know you can jump in anytime, brother. For the rest of you, not you because you know. What is the word? Give me a very simple uh, definition of sanctify or sanctification. Separate. Set apart is, is, is what many will do. Um, for example, you know, I don't have expensive clothes. I, I don't do that. But these are more expensive than others. And if I'm going to go out and work on my car or um, you know, do something with a slingshot and I want to get down on the ground and stuff, I'm not going to wear these. Why? They're set apart. This is not what, that's not what they're for, right? Now let's go back and look at this again. Set them apart by a life wrapped in truth. And your word is truth. And John 1 says Jesus is the word. Now keep, keep going. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I set myself apart so that they too may be truly set apart. Now does it start to make a bit more sense? How did Jesus set himself apart? He left heaven. He lived as as the seed of woman, something never heard of before. He treated women with dignity and respect in a land where that didn't happen. He treated everybody with love and grace except for the religiously smug. He went after them. And he did it not to drive them away, but to show them they are in danger. He set himself apart to the point where the world decided he couldn't stay in it, and they killed him. And he said, Jesus said, I've set myself apart so that they'll know how to set themselves apart. Now do you get it? Because if you don't, I've had, I've had atheist friends or deist friends or agnostic friends, when they look at this, say, the arrogance you know, I've sanctified myself. Well, what does that mean? I'm going, okay, you're, you're getting all churchy here, and that's where you're going wrong. We need to, we need to um, get rid of the church word and show you another phrase. And once it's explained to them, the first thing, I've, every one of them I've done, it's only been like a dozen, but every one I've done has said, well, why don't they write it that way then? Oh, no, I don't. Sometimes I think we like big words and fancy stuff, you know. Um, with all that said, that was a big bite off there. Did you want to say anything? Um, you, you're good? All right. If, if I start going wrong, throw a flag on the field. All right. Grab a handkerchief. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say this is the greatest prayer. And what's fascinating to me is that John was asleep when it was done. But Jesus had just spent three chapters saying, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you everything you need to know. John got this from the Holy Spirit. There was no other witness to this. Now, in the book of Luke, you find things that Mary was thinking, but that's because Luke interviewed her. He interviewed people, and so that's why he could put what people were thinking. This is very different. 
Jesus is off-site when John's writing this. So he's got to get this information from elsewhere. But I want to I bring something home to you. Verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. You know, every time you want to have an exclusive group with Jesus, it's not going to happen. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's that? Some are very quiet. Yes, us. It's just, it's so fascinating. We live in freedom in Christ, and um, so many of our classes look like an oil painting. They're afraid just to move, say anything. Um, it's us. Jesus, the night he knew the horror was going to begin, was thinking about you. He had a choice of subject material upon which to pray. And he prayed about you. Wow. Think about that. Had I been God, son of God, facing this, I can tell you right now, some of my prayers would have been attack prayers. Kill the Romans. You know, put a moat around. There's none of that here. He's praying about you. Uh, I had a story there, but I think I'm going I'm to walk away from that story. I'm going to do this instead. Uh, that all, he, what is he asking? That they all may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Um, Brother Lemons, I heard this sermon, this verse preached all of my life as a condemnation of all the churches that weren't like us. That if they would just, God wants us to be one. And we would talk about, you know, not we, but the world people would talk about, well, why can't the Baptist and the Methodist you know, be in unity? And I can remember the preachers that would say, you could tie a cat and a bulldog together and throw them over a clothesline and you'll have unity, uh, union, but you won't have unity. Remember those things? And I was going, okay, that's true. <laughs> I had no idea how it applied, but... Um, and we always found a reason to not be unified. And this is a test I give churches sometimes when they ask me to come in. And there are always people that are nervous that I've shown up. By the way, I don't relish that. I would love to be universally loved. Not going to happen. So I'll walk in and I'll say, Jesus' prayer is that we may all be one. How about we, we become a part of the answer to Jesus' prayer? Then I go silent for a while. I let it cook. Then I say, how many of you started already mentally making objections? And you see the eyes kind of move a bit. I'm going to shrink. I look. They're not going to raise their hand. But their eyes tell me. And I respond this way. If Jesus says, let us all be one, and you start finding reasons we can't be, you're part of the problem. You know, my wife and I are one. We're good friends. We're partners. We've traveled the world together. Not all of it, but bits of it repeatedly. Uh, But it'd be hard to find people more different. And she would say amen if she was the kind of person that said amen. Um, Because we're very, very different. It is amazing what a decision to be unified will do. You just make, this is the decision. 
You know, my, my grands, I am sure, concern some people. I don't care. I have decided they are perfect. Deal with it. Your kids, I'm pretty sorry about you. I'm, I'll be praying for you. Be one in us. Does it mean that we must all agree about everything all the time? Well, yeah, oh, yes. Absolutely an amen. If those of you listening online didn't hear that, that's why you should come to Fourth Avenue. Uh, Dr. Lemon said, uh, as Paul said, he said, I am satisfied knowing nothing than Jesus Christ and him resurrected, you know, crucified. And he went through the same, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He is the son of God. That's what we're united on. Uh, a week or so ago, I went across to Little Rock and a church had asked me to come and kind of give a little, this is how we started as a movement. And people are shocked to see how open the first two generations of our church was, where we called everybody brother and sister. Uh, Pope didn't matter. Alexander Campbell called him a brother. But one of the more shocking ones is Campbell is still up in Bethany at this time when a big open-air religious meeting takes place in eastern Kentucky, Cane Ridge. It is not put there by any particular denomination and there are quite a few things going on there that would make you and I uncomfortable there's sacred laughter sacred dancing, they're speaking in tongues there are people fainting and swooning away um, people being held captive by the spirit and that meant uh, several things to them uh, but there were also other preachers you know, and it was just everybody had a stump was preaching and it goes on for weeks and one of the biggest groups there was Barton W. Stone's group that called themselves just Christians most of them ex-Presbyterians um, and out of North Carolina and such, but they had come up. Well, there was on the Campbell's wing, the disciples, a very rough man, a bear of a man named Raccoon John Smith. Raccoon was not his given name. He earned it. Look him up, my goodness. Uh, anyway, and, 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 his, and his sermons, well, I'll tell you this one. Um, he, was, he went by a creek one day when he saw some people out there um, that were picking up water and, and pouring it over a baby to baptize the baby. And before the, the parents could hand the baby to the priest or pastor, whoever it was, John just walked up, grabbed the pastor, slung him over his shoulder and started walking into the creek. Well, he didn't know them, they didn't know, and, and he started squalling, because they're in the Appalachia, you squall. And he was saying, put me down, you can't do this, who are you? And you know, what are you doing? And uh, John said, I'm going to baptize you. And he goes, you can't baptize me. And he goes, I think you can. And he goes, no, I don't want you to. And John stopped, and he said, you mean I can't baptize you until you want to be? He said, yeah. He took him all the way back out, set him on the shore and said, then don't baptize that baby until it tells you it wants to be. Subtle. <laughs> but there, there are dozens of these stories. Raccoon John Smith is listening to all of this. And he understands 
Barton W. Stone did not believe Jesus was eternal with God. He believed what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, or Arius, you know, Arianism, you've heard, that Jesus was the first thing God created, but was not eternal. Now, you and I would look upon that and be appalled. But Raccoon John Smith kept listening. So did the, the Campbell wing listening. John Smith got up, walked over, looked at him, and he said, if I understand you correctly, we disagree about this, but I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And Stone said, absolutely. And John reached over his hand. He said, upon that basis, I call you brother. Wow. That's who we were before the Civil War and people with printing presses started cracking us up and dividing us. Jesus, when he says you be one in us, it doesn't mean you agree about everything. You can't. It is mentally, physically impossible to agree about everything all the time. It just is. So, here we go. Uh, there's more. I've given them, now, wait, hang on. Let's, we've got to pay attention to tenses. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are. Have you ever seen a more divided group than the apostles? Once you think about that, I've, I've brought this up. It's been years, so I'll say it again. How much sleep did Matthew get the first two weeks he was an apostle? Because the first ones Jesus picked were people like James and John, who were zealots. They, 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 they were Sicarii. They carried hidden Knives and swords is completely against the law. Rome had a very strict rule. If you were not a Roman citizen, you could not carry a weapon uh, at all. And you could not carry any weapon concealed. These guys did. In fact, they were so rabid against Rome and against anybody, this is very important, who cooperated with Rome's rule, that they were known as the sons of thunder. And then Jesus goes... These guys are backing Jesus up to Matthew and calls him. Matthew's a tax collector for the Romans. Yeah, think about that. First night in camp, there's James and John just sharpening. We'll take first watch. We got this, Bubby. I don't know that they called him Bubby. It's probably unlikely. But you get the point. The apostles were very different people. And he said, you're already one in me. This is really cool. It is very cool. You can choose to be one with others and not have to fight and die on every hill. I just don't get that. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Oh, so we are one and we're becoming one. That should not throw you. Because becoming one is a decision and a process. Correct? It is, um, I think it's safe to say, Cammy and I, as different as we are, have learned how to like and agree on more things through the years. Because we're with each other. And we begin to see through the other eyes. And I do that with people that I would have before disagreed with uh, religiously. 
politically, uh, musically. I mean, there's Misha back there, and I played for her, and she says, I need you to play this song, and I'm going, I can't play that song. And it was just my fingers, they're not going to go that direction. And poor Cammie had to hear this every day. I'm going, Mike, that's not even a chord. <laughs> I'm not going to do that chord. I have to do that chord. But again, you're challenged and you stretch, right? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I'm not really sure what that phrase means. Albert, let me tell you why, and then you can come if you like. And Does it mean, as I've heard it preached, that if all the Christians were preaching the same thing, then the world would be converted. I just don't see that. Because all of us saying the same thing doesn't take away their free will, right? So I'm not really sure. I think what it may mean is that the world that is willing to look will see Jesus in you. So that's where I'm, I'm kind of hung up on that one. Am I in a ballpark? Okay, he says, enough said. He's given up on me. No, I can't. <laughs> isn't, isn't it a treat to have Albert and Patsy here? It is. It's such a blessing. Um, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I, I find that to be such a tender thing. I wish they could see who I really am. You know, whenever I, I'm around my grandsons, every now and then, I wish they could have seen me when I was a kid. I wish they could have seen me when I was younger, had more energy, <laughs> didn't bruise as easy. You know, because I, I, you know, I, I told one person, I'm not a has-been, I'm a never-was, but I still had some good days, and I wish they could have seen me then. You know, I wish they could have seen me when I triumphed over this, that, or the other. No, and he's saying, I want them to see who I really am. Yes. That's a great, great point. The idea of the prayer was placed as, you know, I'm your father, you're my son, ask of me. That was the first tool. And it really is. Have you ever heard, you know, we have a communication problem? Well, that, that can be a real thing, especially with email, right? Because people can't see your mood. They can't hear. You know, there are times that I wish there was a sarcasm font, you know, an irony font. And um, a sardonic font with a, a link to what sardonic means. Because people don't really use that term anymore. They should. And I do not say that ironically or sardonically. And the hit several years ago where she kept singing, isn't it ironic? None of the things she said were ironic, which was ironic. Um, anyway, 
I don't know where, how I got there, but perhaps I should leave. Um, you loved me before the creation of the world, and I want to give all of that to you guys. I want, I want you to be loved. You have been loved since the creation of the world. Now, in Job, there are some questions about, you know, where, are you before, where were you before you were born? And I do hear those kind of questions about, uh, in fact, one of my grandsons, Oliver, asked me that. Well, where were, where were we before we were born? And I'm looking at him, you're three. Shut up. <laughs> Go eat a bug or something. Come on. I didn't say that out loud. I find them, I find them all a hoot. And I said, well, if I understand correctly, you were in the mind of God. And that doesn't help at all, because he's saying, but where? New Jersey. Okay. All right, you know, his dad will sort him out one day. The, the whole point being, um, if I understand correctly, though, we did not exist as spirits before putting on human form, but we did exist as plans. Am I close here, Albert? Would, what, what would you say to Oliver? I'll get you on the phone with him later. Okay, you're, you said nef, nefesh, spirit. Right. Well, that's, that, you're absolutely true. We are unique among the creation in that we were handmade by God. Everything else is spoken into being. And... We were created to receive God and in, in his image. And that allows us to be capable of eternal life. Uh, the gift of God. And we have to stop there because I'm actually a minute over. And I was already over on the sermon. So that's the way this goes. And I don't get overtime, so I'm stopping. I'm, I'm just done. All right. Away with you. <laughs>